0: If I can identify a sleep disorder in somebody, I can literally change your life in 24 hours. I mean, that's what I tell people all the time is if you change your sleep, you change your life.
1: Welcome to On Your Terms with Erin King, a show about living a life you truly love. Here's Erin. I think we can all agree there is nothing better than a good night's sleep and nothing worse than a long next day when you don't get one. Whether you're a fantastic sleeper or you suffer from insomnia or maybe snoring, good news. Today's expert is Dr. Michael J. Bruce, AKA The Sleep Doctor. Dr. Michael J. Bruce is a clinical psychologist with more than two decades of experience. He's a diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. He's one of the only psychologists to pass the Sleep Medicine Specialty Board without attending medical school. And in 2021, Reader's Digest named him the best sleep specialist in the entire state of California. Dr. Bruce is also a bestselling author whose publications include The Sleep Doctor's Diet Plan, The Power of When, Energize, and Good Night. He lectures all over the world and has been interviewed by Oprah, Rachel Ray, Dr. Oz, and now me for today's episode of On Your Terms. Get ready to learn what your chronotype is. Are you a dolphin, a lion, a bear, a wolf? Figure out how you can get better REM and deep sleep. And most importantly, figure out the exact time based on your sleep type that you should do important things like brainstorm, give presentations, ask for a raise, make decisions, even when you should drink coffee, alcohol, or have sex. Oh yeah, we go there. We talk all things sex, drugs, and get ready because we're gonna rock and roll. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of On Your Terms. I'm Erin King and guys, I cannot tell you how excited I am about today's conversation. It is one of my most passionate subjects to talk about on the regular, and it is all about sleep. Today I am interviewing the sleep doctor, Dr. Michael Bruce. Dr. Michael, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Aaron. I'm excited to be here. I love your enthusiasm for sleep. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Well, it's all we talk about, my husband and I. Okay, backstory, and then I want to hear your backstory. So right now sure. I'm wearing the, the Whoop watch, which obviously, yep. you know, you, you can get into the REM versus the deep. I have questions there. Sure. Um. So my husband, so I'm actually, I took 23andMe a couple uh, yep. years ago, and I have that gene that makes you sleep deeper than the average bear. So I am someone that... I go to sleep at night and if I'm alone in a hotel room, I go. I put my head in the pillow, I close my eyes and I wake up in the morning and that's it. I have never given sleep a second thought. And I know there are people on this podcast giving me the middle finger through the screen because that is so annoying to say, but my husband is the total opposite. He's a very light sleeper. He can't get the rum He can't get the deep. He has the mask. He has the noise machine, you know, sure. and he is someone that he does the free Willy in the middle of the night, flopping over and flopping over. So it drove me so crazy. I was like, are we going to get divorced over sleep? This is such a big deal. <laughs> so we, I was actually speaking at the International Sleep Association, iSPA, and oh. I met this person who had this mattress. It was called the Prodigy, and we put together We basically built our own bed so we have two twin beds pushed together and we have it's called the gap right it's like this is your side this is my side we have the one sheet covering us on top but honestly dr bruce it saved our marriage like i can sleep on my side he sleeps on his side but there's just i mean i think a lot of us I mean, what a great niche for you to be in. You were saying before we hit record that your son was saying it's like the biggest niche in the world because everybody wants to talk about it and everyone has an opinion about it. So tell us how you got into this and then we'll dive into how we can become better sleepers and just how important it is.
0: Sure, sure, sure. So again, thanks for having me on, super good opportunity. So here's the deal. I didn't grow up saying, hey, I wanna be a sleep doctor, okay? Like it just doesn't work that way. Also. I'm 54 years old and sleep is a fairly new field of medicine. It really people don't know this. I believe the first sleep clinic was like around 1945 in Walla Walla, Washington. So when you think about that compared to like Hippocrates, you know, like 3000 years ago, we're, we're really in the early, early stages of this. But to be fair, I wanted to be a sports psychologist. I wanted to work with athletes and help them throw harder, run faster, hang out with all those cool kids and, you know, enjoy that whole kind of universe and lifestyle. And uh, I was getting my PhD in clinical psychology at the University of Georgia. Go Bulldogs, national (laughs) champions, two years in a row. Just saying. And um, (laughs) while I was at the University of Georgia, you do a residency program, uh, very similar to what an MD does. and. The residency that I was looking to get into was the top sports psychology residency in the country. I'm just going to be honest with you, Aaron, I couldn't get in. They only accepted <laughs> people from Harvard, from Princeton, from Yale. You know, okay. I went to Georgia. It was a top 20 program, but it wasn't Harvard, right? Sure. But they had a specialty track that they were trying to fill for sleep. And so what they were saying is, is we got a grant. And so if somebody has a skill set that would fall in line here, then you can come and do the sleep side of things and then do the other rotations. So I'm like, aha, this is how I'm going to do it. So I sold myself as the sleep guy, figuring the first day that I got there, raise my hand and I would just transfer into the other program. Right. So I go, I get in, and it's a University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi. Okay. I get there having fun. I'm from Georgia. Like it's like old home for me. Raise my hand day one, and they say, ah, Dr. Bruce, yeah, we were expecting something like this from you. Cause I was like, hey, I want to transfer. They said, here's the deal you got to do sleep for six months. And then after that, you can do any, any part of the program that you want. I'm like, awesome. How tough can this be? It's sleep, for God's sakes, right? <laughs> And I got in there, and literally, Aaron, by day three, I fell in love with clinical sleep medicine, and wow. I knew I'd never change my path. The, the mm-hmm. biggest reason I help people like this—it's unbelievable. Oh, I can't you're a wait. clinical psychologist, and you're working with things like depression or yeah. anxiety. It yeah. can take weeks, months, even years to help people. I, I mean, if I can identify a sleep disorder in somebody, I can literally change your life in 24 hours. I mean, that's what I tell people all the time: is if you change your sleep. You change your life. I and mean, then once people really understand that, they re- they, they get in involved on the regular, as you said.
1: Fantastic. Well, I love that story. So serendipitous. Obviously, the yeah. universe, God, whatever you believe in, had a bigger plan for you. And I'm so happy you found your calling. And how fun to be able to own that brand, the sleep doctor. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> want a sleep doctor if they have a problem with sleeping? So, so let's start at the very beginning. Okay. Sure. So I was on your website and I was reading about this whole idea of uh, a chronotype, which I've never yes. heard of. And we all, look, we all love a good, what's your strengths finder? What's, I'm, you know, I'm an Aries. Like we love a good, what's Everybody my Everybody loves box? a good
0: quiz, a good yes. avatar, a good categorization. Yes,
1: totally. And then I was like, Ooh, dolphin, lion, bear, wolf. So, so tell us more about these chronotypes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let me walk you through it. So, so first of all, I want to be very clear. I did not invent Chronotypes okay. Chronotypes have actually been around for a very, very long time. Back in the early 70s, there was a, a group of researchers who was looking at things called morningness versus eveningness. Now, we know this as early bird, night owl. So yep. that's what a chronotype is. Turns out this is actually genetic. Mm. So you don't get to choose. Many people say, oh, I'm going to make myself a morning person. Bullshit. You're not going to do that. It it's your genetics, whether or not you're a morning person. Or not. Now, I can show you ways to improve that that level of alertness in the morning for the night people. But to be clear, this is a genetic situation. And so what I did was I took their old quiz and what I noticed in it was, it felt like it was missing some things. Be quite honest with you, I'm an insomnia specialist. Like that's what I do. And so when I was looking at these chronotypes, I started saying to myself, you know, I think some of my, I think some of my insomniacs who I've been treating as insomniacs actually have disrupted chronotypes. Hmm. So I started to look and understand more about what's going on, and I discovered a fourth chronotype. So we always used to think there's an early bird, a night owl, and something in the middle that we called a hummingbird. I don't know why we called it a hummingbird. (laughs) Stupid name, (laughs) if you ask me. (laughs) I totally don't get that part. But but that was it. Those were the three. And then what I realized is that my insomnia patients genetically had represented this really wonky, crazy sleep cycle up and down. Sometimes I'd go to bed this time, sometimes at that time. And, I was, and they make up almost 10% of the population. So I was like, Dang. this is insane. So I said, let's see if we can identify these people via chronotype and start to understand more about what's going on for them. So all of a sudden we I created this quiz And we started to actually validate the quiz. We've actually had over 2 million people take the quiz at this point. And what we've discovered is that there's actually even more subtypes, believe it or not. So early birds got to be honest with you. I replaced the names. And the reason I replaced the names is because I'm a mammal, not a bird, right? I don't want to <laughs> be an early bird, right? I want to be a mammal. So I decided, okay, we're going to choose something else. Now, you can appreciate this. When you're in the publishing office and you're talking to your publisher about your book and you're like, what should we call these avatars? The the craziness that happens during this, somebody said they should be crystals. Somebody said they should be colors. Somebody said that, you know, because it's like it's kind of like a horoscopy type of thing. Like you're looking for something. Here's What I said. So I said I wanted them to be animals, number one. And number two, I said I wanted the animals to actually represent the chronotypes. So here's what we learned. Nobody wants to be a porcupine. (laughs) Nobody wants to be a platypus. So I had to find animals that people also aspired to be. Like a spirit animal. Exactly. So lions represent our early birds now. And believe it or not, lions first kill is before dawn. So lions really are actually early birds. That is me to
1: the ground. I love a good, I love the mornings. I love the mornings. I live for the mornings. I detest. People say, oh, let's get dinner at 7.30. I'm like, are you a psychopath? I'm going to be asleep at eight. Like, it's just, okay, keep going. I love this.
0: So I, I'm the opposite of you. Oh, okay. What so are you? in the middle, what we used to call hummingbirds, we now call them bears. Okay. Bears represent a lot, almost fifty-five zero percent of the population. Wow. Um, uh, because, and by the way, I wish I was a bear. Being a bear is the best because the world works on a bear schedule. Bears nine to five is perfect for a bear. Bears like to wake up at 730, like to go to bed at 1030. You're a lion. You like to go mm-hmm. to bed at like eight. 8 30. You Mm -hmm. like to get up at like 4 30, 5 o'clock. Yeah. So we so here's what's fascinating is if we have people follow their chronotypical schedules, they sleep better.
1: Mm. The quality of their
0: sleep improves. And listen to this, Aaron, this was the big discovery for me because I did this on myself, is the amount of sleep that they require lessens.
1: Wow. So when you're when you're talking about
0: people out there who want to be successful and who are trying to find more time in their day, right, to do things, maybe it's spend time with loved ones, maybe it's work on your business, maybe it's a personal hobby or what have you. I actually show people how to find more time in their day by sleeping less, but at the right time for their chronotype mm. and they actually get better sleep. Yeah, mm. the, the last two parts of the chronotype is a, a night owl, which turns out to be, we call them a wolf. So okay. That's me. I'm the lone wolf here on this podcast. Okay, you're the lone lion, and I'm the lone wolf. Got it. <laughs> we make up about fifteen to twenty percent of the population. We're kind of late night creative people. This is my artists, my actors, my authors. Like when you talk to somebody who's in any entertainment field and you say, "Hey, when did you get your inspiration?" They're like. Two o'clock in the morning you know like they're never like oh well while i was you know sitting at my desk at 11 you know that stuff never happens so we know there's personality differences like with you and the lions lions are go-getters lions are people who like to hit the ground running mm-hmm. they have like to get a lot accomplished i mean lions make a list almost every day and they go from step one to step two to step three to step four Me as a wolf, if I make a list, I go from step one to step 30 to step 15, and it makes perfect (laughs) sense to me, but it doesn't make any sense to any lions around. The fourth (laughs) prototype is called the dolphin. Now, people wonder, why did you choose dolphins to represent your insomniacs? So this is what's interesting dolphins sleep what we call uni hemispherically so half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake and looking for predators because you know if they're asleep you know a shark can you know kind of get them okay i thought that was a great representation of my insomniacs who are never quite asleep Mm -hmm. now my insomniacs what i call dolphins these these are folks who have a pretty irregular sleep schedule they're a lot like lions by the way they love to get up early in the morning time Mm -hmm. but they get such fitful sleep at night. And to be honest, they've got a decent touch of anxiety to them that they're kind of a little bit scattered most of the time. And so the dolphins were the ones I wrote the book for, The Power of When, which was my third book, where we really dove deeply into chronotypes. And for folks out there, if you want to check it, check that out, just go to Chrono Quiz. Dot com, And you can learn what your chronotype is. Doesn't cost you a dime. I send you a whole report and I'll teach you when to go to bed, when to drink coffee. There's specific times to do that. And uh, I think uh, when to have alcohol. And by the way, I even know what the perfect time of day is to ask your boss for a raise, depending upon your wow. type and theirs. And I can show you the science behind it.
1: Cool. So I read that in your book, The Power of When, that you talked about even, you know, brainstorming. Perfect time to have sex, pre- perfect time sex. to eat a cheeseburger. Yeah, presentations, making decisions. I mean, basically how we function through life all comes down to these chronotypes. And I've never even heard of this. And just, it's so fascinating. So I read that your chronotypes, other than the wolf, was you also have how you like to sleep. So you have like your position, temperature, and chronotype is sort of like your trifecta of how we nail the perfect night's sleep, right? Yeah,
0: And so the thing to think about is for, so position is a big one, right? And so when you're looking at what position you sleep in, a lot of people don't realize it, but like, think of it like this. If you sleep and you know, your arm is up here and and you got the leg, you know, here's what's happening is your body stays in that position for extended periods of time. So think about it like this. If you went to yoga and you stretched for eight hours, You know, how would your body feel after that? So you want to get yourself in as neutral a position as you possibly can. So what does that mean? It means for most people sleeping on your back, if you can, um, that's how weight is displaced across the skeletal frame in the most even fashion. And there's no, uh, you know, twinching of the neck or things like that. Believe it or not, though, only about 15% of people actually sleep on their back. So one of the things that's really interesting is looking at yourself as a side sleeper. Remember back sleeping might be the best physical position for you. Believe it or not, like somewhere between 60 and 70% of people are side sleepers. We think that's because you can kind of curl over and open up your spine a little bit more and allow for the rehydration of the discs that are in between each one of the vertebrae. But when you're a side sleeper, here's the problem is you're leaning like this all night long, right? And so there can be pressure building up and things like that. So even though most people are side sleepers, what I do is say, hey, throw a pillow between your legs, right? Because if one leg falls over the other one, then it'll twist your pelvis and your torso could give you low back pain. I sleep with like four pillows. Okay, I'm like MacGyver with my pillows. I have one between my legs. I have one in the kind of towards the front of my chest. I have one under the side of my head and I have one here because my. Bulldog likes to snore in my ear in my bed. And that's a whole other story. We'll talk about that one later. I love
1: that. It's a very polarizing topic. Should dogs be allowed in beds? I think we can all agree the answer is yes. Keep going.
0: So <laughs> believe it or not, there's data to suggest that if you're used to having a dog in the bed and you remove the dog, you will have insomnia for it.
1: I believe that. I believe that. Um, Interesting.
0: It's kind of interesting. The only time you have problems with animals in the bed is if they're disruptive animals like snoring or, you know, cats, you know, they like to move around and make muffins or whatever that thing is that they do. So, you know, like you have to have an animal that likes to chill. And then it's perfectly fine. I don't have like, any problem. But to be clear, you don't want a great Dane sleeping in the bed. <laughs> I like yeah. just, just want to throw that out there for folks, right? We
1: have Betty White. She's 13 pound Cavapoo, like a little stuffed animal. Everyone's living their best life. Best exactly. night sleep ever. So what about some stomach sleepers? Because that's what I am.
0: So that's the worst.
1: Oh, okay. darn it. Okay.
0: Okay. But think about it. Okay. And it, here's why it's the worst. There's two reasons. And it's it's the belly and it's the neck. You're a small person, so this isn't going to necessarily apply to you, but for folks who've got a decent amount of weight that's around their midsection, when you're, uh, let's pretend like here's the mattress, when you've, all that weight pushed, pushes on your lower back and causes what we call a splay across Mm. your back. So it's increased tension, especially if you don't have a really good supportive mattress. Mm. And so for folks who are stomach sleepers, number one, you probably need a medium firm to firm bed to keep all of that pushed up and keep your spine aligned. The other thing is your neck, right? And so when you're a stomach sleeper, your neck is basically jacked to 90 degrees, right? Because that's how you put your head on the pillow. What we're looking for is we need alignment from your nose to your sternum. So for a lot of people, what I have them do is actually sleep on top of a pillow. So you, you have a pillow from about your neck all the way down past your groin and you kind of hug it, almost like a body pillow. Those have a tendency to work a lot better for folks out there if you're experiencing neck and back pain as a stomach sleeper. Now I'm going to be fair. There are some people out there who can sleep face down and be just fine because they're limber, they're mobile, they're active. I don't think I care. But remember, over the course of time, if you don't maintain that level of mobility, your neck's going to start to hurt
1: hmm It's interesting that you said that because I just turned 40 this year and I will tell you, last year, I will tell you that I have started to feel a little something when I go get the monthly rub down, you know, at the massage uh, place that they're like, ooh, what is that? And I think it might be from what you're talking about. So you might have just convinced me to try, but sleeping on your back is so hard. Oh, it's so uncomfortable.
0: So it's not as bad as you think, and I'll teach you the super easy trick, Okay. okay. So I've done this before. It's kind of funny. You go to one of those used sporting goods stores, okay? And remember back in the eighties when they had wrist weights and ankle weights. When yes, you do like aerobics? totally. Yep. Go buy a pair of those, okay? And just put on only on your ankles and follow and try and close your eyes and you won't move. I can assure you. Okay.
1: Interesting.
0: It's just a, and you don't want like eight pounds or anything. You want like two pounds, three pounds. It's just okay. enough. So that when your body wants to shift, it kind of reminds us of, oh, right, I'm trying to fall asleep on my back. And over the course of about seven to 10 days, you'll have moved your sleep position.
1: Okay, this is fascinating. So, I love this so much. Okay, so my husband and I fight every morning about our REM versus deep sleep because we've read that Great. I guess one of them is all <laughs> We we have sleep talk all the time. I am so excited about this podcast. <laughs> so, I do I them. may have to come
0: back for part 2 and just do counseling for you guys.
1: Totally. I mean, obviously we're like crazy in love. I adore this man. He's my favorite and sleep is the one sleep and temperature of the room, literally the only two things that we kind of right, bicker about a little bit. So, so we, okay. So tell us that. So I prefer, I will sleep with socks on. I will put pajamas, a robe under about a hundred blankets. And I am just the happiest little, what am I? My little lion den cave. My husband, (laughs) I think runs pretty hot where he, he would like the room to be an igloo and he sleeps out of the covers. So there's a whole point of tension here. So if people that are listening, that are having temperature drama in their bedrooms,
0: but what do we do? This is super common. So I believe that there is like a sleep compatibility, right? Okay. And so you two are classic. Okay. This is, I see, <laughs> I hear this constantly. Okay. So, I, so Aaron, I need to tell you that you are incorrect on this one. Okay. Darn. Cooler is better. It's always mm. better to sleep in the cool. However, however, for people who aren't very big and don't have a lot of fat on them, they get cold quick and so you're doing a couple of the things that I love one of which is wearing socks to bed I tell a lot a lot of people who need to stay warm that you lose a tremendous amount of heat through your feet you ever notice if you're hot in the middle of the night if you just stick your foot out from under the covers yeah you feel fantastic that's because you dissipate so much heat that way so for you I don't have a flannel pajamas fine put on the socks great but and even if you want to load on the blankets fine but for him The likelihood is he cooler is better for him. Now there is, believe it or not, marital bliss is available because they're now making (laughs) cooling technologies that you can put on your bed.
1: Oh, fantastic! There's a company
0: called Chili Pad.
1: I he has the Chili Pad. I love chili
0: pads. I I would no more. I would
1: no more sleep on a chili pad. I am like, why would I want? No, but he is. He said it changed his life.
0: I'm telling you chili pads rock. I, I I use one here at the house also many people just for the people to know chili pads don't just make it cooler it can also make it warmer oh, so uh, okay. yeah and so they have a new version and you can spread it across both sides of the bed and one side can be warm and the other side can be cold like hmm. the tech is getting much much better well they so, need to do a,
1: they need a rebrand as well because chili pad is, is turning off cold sleepers or hot sleepers so i understand, <laughs> or, I understand. so That's so intense.
0: temperature is big and i want to be sure that people understand cooler is better of the time, if you are a cold person and you are a cold sleeper, of course, do yourself a favor and sleep with socks. If you're a very warm sleeper, uh, sleep in the nude is actually another option for you. Because again, the more layers of clothing, the more the heat gets trapped in. And that's where that warm or too warm feeling comes from.
1: Oh my! Now let me, oh,
0: I want to tell you the science behind it too, as a matter of fact. So here's the reason why you want to sleep cooler At, at night, your core body temperature rises, rises, rises till about 1030 at night. And when it hits that 1030-ish or so range, it begins to drop. That drop in temperature is actually a signal for your brain to release melatonin, which is that key that starts the engine for sleep. You can't fall asleep when it's too hot. Your Mm. body just can't do it. What might be happening with you, Aaron, is your body is too cold and you're having to warm your body up to get to that point. Uh, for you, whereas for your husband, it's actually running in the opposite direction. Also, don't forget you're a lion and he's, a he's probably not. Is he a lion as well?
1: No, he, I, I when you were describing it, I, he's taking the test right now here next to me at our <laughs> office. So I'll let you know by the end. Did you take the test babe? Which one were you? He says he's a bear.
0: He's a bear. So he's probably a late bear, which is probably, but it's very different than being a lion. So it's, so? here's where the magic comes in behind the chronotype is it's all about body temperature. And so what we've discovered is lion's core body temperature rises earlier in the morning. That's why they wake up at 4.30. Mm. Wolves like me, ours rises later in the morning because as your body heats up, that's when your body stops producing melatonin and wakes you up. Once you understand where the sleep falls, here's the best part everything else follows suit. So as an example, let's say you wake up at six o'clock in the morning, which I know would be late for you probably, but let's just use the, make the math simple. If you wake up at six, that means your melatonin probably turned off at about five 30. And that means that starting there, all of your hormones will follow a very specific pattern for you almost every single day. And we mm-hmm. can look and see, Hey, Her adrenaline is higher here. So this is when she should work out or her adrenaline is lower here. So this might be where she should read a book. And believe it or not, there are over 220 studies looking at all these different activities of daily living that we do during the daytime and when we should do them. So the book is called The Power of When, (laughs) Mm. because it helps you once you figure out your chronotype, figure out when to do different things. And it's, and as you mentioned, it is everything. I mean, the number one question I get asked, of course, is about intimacy and sex. Like that's you know, what
1: when- I was just going to ask you.
0: <laughs> How did I know that that was going to happen?
1: <laughs> Cause that's always think about and talk about we're humans.
0: <laughs> so, so let's, so let's break that down for everybody so that everybody can get an understanding. So, okay. As an example, in order to have successful intercourse, you need to have five different hormones no matter what your gender. You need to have estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, adrenaline, and cortisol all need to be high, Hmm. okay? And melatonin, the sleep hormone, needs to be low, okay? Hmm. We did a survey, and uh, I think it was 70-something percent of people prefer to have sex between 10.30 and 11.30 at night. What do you think your hormone profile looks like at that time?
1: Exhausted.
0: Exactly. All of those elevated hormones are lowered, right? Melatonin is high and estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, and adrenaline are all low. So that's hint number one, when you should be having intercourse. Hint number two, if you are with a male partner or someone with a penis, what happens in the morning time for most men? Yep. that's Morning wood. So If that's not Mother Nature telling you when to use that thing, I don't know what is. Okay. I love
1: this conversation because I am a morning sex person and my exactly. husband always wants to have it at night because it's like helps them fall asleep. But I'm like, I'm like, I would rather do so anything. Talk about, I'd rather go so let's to the talk dentist. About what <laughs> you just
0: said very quickly. So this is the classic men fall asleep after sex, women get energized after sex.
1: Exactly.
0: So there's real data to prove that that's kind of what happens. But what men, what's here's what's really interesting though, is men will take sex whenever it's offered. Um, And I know that sounds funny to say, but we actually did a study to look at it because what we wanted to see was desire profiles based on chronotypes. And what we discovered was early morning lions like yourself you have early morning desire so yeah. when you wake up you're much more interested in being intimate at that time i mean you know brush your teeth throw in some mouthwash hop back in bed and go there's yeah. nothing wrong with that and for you that actually helps calm you down from an energetic perspective it probably makes your life even smoother in the morning we also discovered the same with dolphins so remember how i said dolphins and lions are so similar but mm-hmm. the big difference we find is anxiety Well, a lot of people aren't particularly anxious after sex because of the oxytocin and because of all the hormonal uh, stuff that's going on during that. So it actually can be a good morning way to smooth out your morning. So if you're a lion or a dolphin, I recommend early morning sex if your partner is is certainly willing. But as a general guideline, almost everybody can have sex early in the morning. The big drawback are wolves. So people like me who are really because at six o'clock in the morning, many times, I mean, like I can't even function. Right. And so. That's the, that's the big difference is kind of knowing and understand your partner. The funny thing is, is that my entire house is wolves. So when my wife and I started dating, I, she would, I'd say, you know, what do i want going to get you She'd say? Oh, I don't know. Pick me up at eight. Right. So I pick her up. Like that would be a nighttime for you. Like that would be going to bed for you. right?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: We'd go get dinner from like eight to nine 30. Then we'd catch a movie from like 10 to 12. And then we'd go out for dessert or drinks afterward. We get home at like one 30 or two. Oh, and, hell no. And, but that was like. It was normal. Like we did it every single weekend. Like that was just how, because we were both wolf chronotypes. Wow. And so- everything worked easier for us because of that. So I'm not saying that you can't, you have to marry your same chronotype. It's not too late. At all. Yeah. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> too late. But looking at the incompatibilities, there's definitely ways to maneuver around it. And we actually have an entire section in the book for couples to, who are looking at these different issues, but chronotypes can go across. I mean, there's even a section on when is the best time to talk to your children because of when will they be more most listening, be able to focus Of that nature, and this is all based on hormonal research. Like, I want to be clear, this isn't my research. What I've done is I've aggregated literally studies from all over the world looking at this idea of chronotypes.
1: Okay, this is so fascinating. I cannot wait to read the rest of your book. It's so cool. So, for the people who are listening who are like, This is so great. Okay, I'm gonna find my animal type and I'm gonna fix my sleep schedule and my sex schedule, and I'm gonna change my world. Your specialty is insomnia. So I was at Orange Theory Fitness this morning and my instructor was like, I woke up every single hour on the hour for no reason at all. And my heart went out to her because I didn't want to be the person who was like, that's weird. I totally got eight hours, no problem (laughs) because she would punch me in the face and make me do burpees. So... (laughs) For the insomniacs, which there are so many of them, is is it the nighttime routine that is a way they can begin to manage it? Or question, are they just yeah, go ahead.
0: So number one, I want to be clear insomniacs are not just screwed. Okay. Like there is hope and help. But this is this is a little bit of a longer discussion in terms of how do we help our insomniac clients? Me personally, as a PhD clinical psychologist, medication is usually a last resort. I'm usually, uh, you know, talking to them about sleeping medication and sleeping pills at the very, very end, end, end. If we've tried multiple things before, because to be fair, if you have a sleep problem and I give you a pill, you do have two problems. You have a sleep problem. You have a pill problem, right? Like it, 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 pills don't change your sleep problem. They just mask the symptomatology of that. So when you look at number 1, the first thing I do is I do blood work. Well, I don't do blood work, I should say. I ask them to go to get to their physician to do have blood work done and I'm looking for vitamin deficiencies. I'm looking for deficiencies in vitamin D, in iron, in magnesium and in melatonin. If those four things are not up to snuff, honestly, there's very little work I can do because basically it's like bringing the car to the body shop and saying something's wrong. You haven't checked the oil and you haven't checked the wiper fluid and you know, the basics that make the car run. We need to make sure that the basics of our bodies are up to up to scale. And here's yeah. the thing. Most people are deficient in vitamin D. Most people are deficient in magnesium. And those are two major factors. So step number one, Talk to your doctor, get some blood work, figure out if you've got any deficiencies. Let's say you're doing great. You got no deficiencies. No problem. At that point, you want to look at something called cognitive behavioral therapy. So CBT is actually a way that we change your sleep schedule. That's the behavior part. And we change the way you think about sleep. Because what happens to a lot of people who have insomnia is they say, oh, I know I'm not going to sleep tonight. And that negative self-talk Really propagates them not being able to sleep. Because here's what happens 75% of insomnia is anxiety, all right? 75% easily. The other 25%, I would argue, is a mixture of environment, medication, or just bad habits, right? And so, a couple of things that people need to understand if you've got insomnia. Number one, caffeine is not your friend. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't realize if a caffeine lasts much longer in the body than you think. The half life of caffeine, meaning when half of it is still in your system, is eight hours. Okay. So if you stop drinking coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon, 50% of that coffee is still floating around your brain at 10 o'clock at night. How are you going to fall asleep with a stimulant, you know, floating around here, being able, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So people don't really understand if, I'm not not a coffee hater, by the way. I love coffee. I I could have a cup every day. I don't, but I could, but have it earlier in the morning. But- Be careful because here's another thing. Coffee is a weird one. It kind of needs to be bookend. The first thing you should do when you wake up in the morning is not drink a cup of coffee. It's drink a glass of water. Most people don't know it, but sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. You lose almost a full liter of water from the humidity in your breath and from the sweat and oils that come from your skin. So you wake up and you're dehydrated. If you add coffee as the first thing, coffee is a diuretic. It makes you pee. Now you're more dehydrated, right? Yep. We all know that dehydration does not allow for attention, focus, creativity. I mean, the basic, you know, fundamentals of success, you can't get to if you de- if your body is dehydrated. So when looking at this overall kind of idea from a chronotypical standpoint, very first thing we have people do is drink some water in the in the morning time. Then if they want to get into their coffee, roughly 90 minutes after they open their eyes. Then they need to cut it by 2 p.m. In my case, I would prefer people cut it by noon, but start it to don't. By the way, don't cold turkey yourself off of coffee. Anybody that's listening. I had two patients end up in the ER because they did that. One with seizures and one who couldn't stop throwing up. It was a mess. So like if you're a pot a day drinker, okay, that's like eight cups. Make one cup decaf for four days, then two cups decaf and slowly walk your Mm -hmm. way back, right? Kind
1: of like alcohol, just kind of like transition, kind of taper off.
0: Exactly. Look, now let's talk about alcohol because alcohol is another big one for insomnia. Lots and lots of people drink themselves to sleep. It's, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. it's the number one sleep aid in the world. And it's kind of the worst. Even though alcohol does make you feel a little loggy and a little sleepy, the problem is it basically destroys stage three, four, or deep sleep. Now, Mm -hmm. you and your husband have got the trackers and you're always arguing, you said, about REM versus deep. Here's the thing. If you just look at your behavior the day before, you can almost predict what's going to happen with your REM and your deep based on your alcohol consumption and your caffeine consumption. Getting back to insomniacs. The way we want to deal with them is we want them to understand that sleep is something that you think about actually through the day. You don't wait until the very evening, you know, an hour before bed saying, oh, shit, I've got to do this, this and this to get myself better rest. It's really looking at your behaviors throughout the hydration, caffeine regulation, alcohol regulation. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not a teetotaler. If you want to have a beer or a glass of wine with dinner, I don't think I care, but You better stop probably about two hours before bed, two and a half hours before bed, and you better keep it to two drinks. Once you go past two drinks, you get a buzz. When you get a buzz, cortisol jacks up and that's the fight or flight hormone. That isn't gonna let you sleep very well.
1: Totally, it's so true. And anecdotally, I will say, you know, I'm I'm an Irish citizen. My family is a bunch of Irish Catholics. Drinking is very <laughs> cultural for us. And I will say, you know, we live in California just like you. And, you know, we love a good Santa Barbara, NorCal, wine country. And I will tell you, it's the worst sleep I ever get is when you have that beautiful, big, bold cab for right. dinner, you fall asleep, you're loving life. And then for me, it is three o'clock a.m. Um, on the, I can, (laughs) I can literally go, it's going to be 301. And I look at my phone shirt up. It's on, it's almost like its own cycle. I stop at 3 a.m. And so I'm right now at at time of recording, it's January 12th. So I'm on day 12 of this dry January. I can't tell you, first of all, I'm bored. Your sleep's better. I'm bored and miserable, but... (laughs) I will say my sleep has never my sleep score. On my whoop is like 98, 97, you know? Right? So, I mean, it is so true. Gosh. And it's so counterintuitive because we do think to ourselves, oh, nightcap to fall asleep. But to your right. point, it's only a short term solution.
0: Yeah. And and also, to be fair, one drink isn't bad. Like, I want to be clear about this. Like, if you have a glass of wine with dinner, I'm not saying don't do that. That's fine. But like two, three glasses then you're like you really have to think about the consequences of sort of what's going to happen and yes. then you start to really get an understanding for it so kind of getting back to insomnia the biggest thing i tell all my insomniacs is it's we really need to look at your wake up time so lots of insomniacs they they have difficulty regulating when to get up when to go to bed things like that they try to get in bed early by the way that's the number one problem with insomniacs is when they have a bad night they try to sneak into bed early hmm. so think about it like this if you're a night owl like me, and you also had insomnia on top of it, right? I don't go to bed before midnight ever, right? Ever. So here's what happens. You got insomnia as, so what do you do? You sneak into bed at like nine o'clock at night, hoping that you'll fall asleep and catch up. But listen to what I've been saying. Your core body temperature isn't changing until 11 o'clock at night. There's no universe you're gonna fall asleep doing that. So understanding your chronotype gives you the appropriate bedtime. We fixed more insomnia by just identifying people's chronotypes than I ever imagined that we would because people were going to bed and waking up at the wrong times.
1: Mm. So I love this conversation because anyone that's listening that has just been feeling drained, frustrated, what's wrong with me, turning to pills, which to your point is, you know, very- very western medicine reactive you know versus like the eastern medicine proactive i will say you know for people that are having these problems i mean head over to this quiz take a look i cannot wait to to dive into this more in your book last question i'll let you go so and i'm really hogging this for myself and my personal therapy here thank you for playing with me so my husband wears one of the sleep pap whatever it's called things sleep at so for people that have a sleep disorder with breathing is there anything that they can do with their habits during the day to work within that disorder
0: So it's a great question. So number one, so this is going to be a little bit of an answer. So what we're talking about here is her husband has been diagnosed with something called sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is a situation where your throat literally collapses onto itself while you're asleep and you stop breathing. I want to be clear. This is a very dangerous medical situation, even though it can occur hundreds of times a night and a lot of people can't tell the difference between apnea and snoring because they sound very similar the most popular treatment and arguably the most effective treatment is something called a cpap machine this is a mask that you wear on your nose and it's like a hair dryer blowing up your nose it pushes air down your nose and into your throat and that area that's blocked it just ever so slightly opens it up shoots air straight down to your lungs now Here's the thing. You got to sleep with a mask on your face every single night with air blowing up your nose every single night. He hates it. So it's not the most fun situation in the universe. I get that. Okay. so are there alternatives? There are. There are now dental devices. So like a mouth guard, like, you know, how you see the football players wear mouth guards. Well, this one has an upper and a lower and the lower is protruded slightly forward. And it pushes your jaw forward, which opens up your posterior airway and allows for better breathing. So there are now dentists who are board certified in dental sleep medicine that you can go to. So let's say your doctor said, hey, you need a CPAP machine and they don't give you any other options. I'm here to tell you that number one, go to the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine and there's a list of practitioners by state that you can go to to look for an alternative there. There are also surgical interventions, right? So if you have really big tonsils, really big adenoids, a really fat tongue, all of those things can actually be changed surgically, but really we want to reserve surgery as the very final option here, because once you start cutting on tissue, it can be very unpredictable and it can be problematic. Now, your question was, what can my husband do during the daytime that might be able to help him with his CPAP at night? So there's really two, maybe three things that I can think of. So number one, there's actually a new medical device that literally just came on the market about three years ago. It's called Excite OSA. E X C-I-T-E-O-S-A.com. This is actually a unit that you put on your tongue during the daytime for about 20 minutes. It vibrates on your tongue and it actually shrinks your tongue very, very slightly. Wow. It doesn't have an effect on your voice. It doesn't have an effect on your ability to swallow or chew food or anything like that. It's very, very minor, but what it does is it gives enough room in the in the airway now to open up and be able to work. So for people with minor sleep apnea or just snoring, I love this Excite OSA. It's, it's phenomenal. It is by prescription only, so you have to ask your doctor or go to a sleep specialist to find out about it. Number two, exercise. There's a lot of data to suggest that people with uh, sleep apnea, if they are regular exercisers, it can be extremely helpful for improving the quality of their sleep. And it helps them in the third category, which is lose a little bit of weight. Now, to be fair, not everybody who has sleep apnea is a bigger person, but most of them are. And so in in effect, if you can just lose somewhere between five and 15 pounds in many cases, That allows your doctor to lower your CPAP and or it makes it a lot more comfortable and things of that nature. So staying active is going to be an important one. Also, I'm sorry, there's another one that people need to think about, and it has to do with cannabis. So you and I are both here in California. So we all know cannabis is medicinally and recreationally legal. I think it's uh, medicinally legal in like 36 states now and another 25, it's coming on with Rex. So this is going to be here. If you have sleep apnea, you really need to understand what marijuana can do. It, it In some cases, it could actually make your sleep apnea worse. Hmm. But interestingly enough, there is now a study being done on a pill that has THC in it, and it appears to be helping people with sleep apnea. Wow. So we're still very mixed on how is cannabis affecting sleep apnea. Now, the one question you didn't ask me, which everybody seems to want to know is, well, should I take CBD gummies or THC gummies for sleep? And what should I think about doing there and all of that? So let's talk about that for a minute. I have arguably written more on marijuana and sleep than any other sleep specialist in the world. And it's all on the website. Oh, by the way, if people want to swing on over to the website, it's thesleepdoctor.com. We'll have it in the show notes along with the chrono quiz and all that kind of good fun stuff. But over there, we have a tremendous amount of information about it. And here's the basics is there are some things about marijuana that can be sleep inducing. Okay. Mm. Number one, THC helps lower your anxiety. However, if you have too much THC, it speeds up your heart rate and it reduces REM sleep. So you don't want to stone yourself to sleep, okay? As I always tell people, there's a really big difference between getting stoned and going to bed, right? Mm -hmm. So look for something that does not have a high THC content but has a little bit. Number two, something called CBN as in Nancy, Mm -hmm. not CBD. Okay, CBN has got real data behind it to show that it can actually be quite helpful with sleep. And so as an example, you might find a gummy that has five milligrams of THC with one milligram of CBN. That might be a perfect type of combination to give yourself a try if if gummies are your thing. The second thing I wanna talk about is CBD. Lots of people are saying CBD for sleep. I've read the data. I can't find anything to support it other than one study which showed if you took 120 milligrams, that's almost an entire bottle, okay? Then it appears to help with sleep. However, there is data in two areas that I think is important to mention. One is anxiety reduction and one is pain reduction, okay? So we do know that CBD does help people lower their anxiety. If you're a dolphin, CBD might not be such a bad idea, right? Remember dolphins are my lions with a little bit of extra anxiety. If you're a person who's very anxious, CBD may not be a a horrible thing, but again, if it reduces your anxiety, that's very different than putting you to sleep. The other areas CBD can be good for is pain, specifically pain caused from inflammation. So if you have, you know, if you're a weekend warrior or you're on the spin bike too much, or you're with your trainer at Orange Theory and they work out really hard, CBD might be something that could be helpful in that in that instance, but again, in limited quantities. But I want to be very clear, CBD, you need a massive quantity for it to actually be helpful with sleep. But if you have pain or you have anxiety, it could help with those and those could help with sleep.
1: Mm. I think you just saved somebody's life today, Dr. Bruce. Thank you so much for all this info. I, I took notes like crazy. And to your point, we will put links to all of this in the show notes. I know also, if you guys are listening for all these details, we'll have links to everything. And also, if you go to thesleepdoctor.com, you will find recommendations for products, mattresses, all things vetted by Dr. Bruce to help us get a better night's sleep and to improve the quality of our lives. So thank you so much for all of this incredible information. And I can't wait to tell Hartman all about how we're going to tackle the apnea. And this was just such an enlightening conversation. I, I'm energized by talking about sleep. So thank you so much for being with us here today.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Erin. And like I said, if you want me to come back, we can do a therapy session with you <laughs> and them at, at our next podcast. And also we didn't even get a chance to talk. There's, in, there's entire sections of literature looking at sleep and work related performance. So leaders lead better who sleep, okay? okay. That's and there's a whole chronic-
1: podcast. We are doing that.
0: There's a lot of really cool data out there. And we can we can certainly talk about that. And thank you for mentioning. But yeah, we do mattress reviews now over at my website. And we do that because we wanted to find a group that could be in, have a lot of integrity. So we actually bring them into the lab. We've we've done uh reviews on over 150 beds. And so people can have a, a safe place to go and research and understand more about what you should get.
1: So fantastic. And if you've ever gone down the black hole of uh, the black rabbit hole oh, yes. of mattress reviews. It is no small feat. So I would love a shortcut for our next, our next purchase. It's a big purchase. You spent a lot of time there. So mm-hmm. fantastic. Thanks again. This was fantastic. Dr. Bruce, we are definitely doing round two. If you're up for it, I want to hear about leadership and how we can Absolutely. help our leaders become better sleepers because they're the ones that we need to be firing on all cylinders. And yet oftentimes mm-hmm. they're the ones that have the worst problems with it. So that will be round two, uh, the sleepdoctor.com. Check him out. And again, thank you for being with us here today at Success Magazine. Thanks again. Hey,
0: thanks for having me here at Success. And this is Dr. Michael Bruce wishing all of you sweet dreams.
1: Well, how energizing is it to talk about sleep? Who knew? Dr. Michael J. Bruce was one of my very favorite guests. And it's time for you, my friend, to figure out your chronotype. You can visit thesleepdoctor.com where you can take the quiz, access his books, courses, keynotes, diagnose some sleep issues, and find recommendations for all of your best sleep products so that you can have a good night's sleep, the one you deserve, the one that allows you to show up as your absolute best self on your terms. Till next time, friends.